0: Well, good morning again, everyone. What a beautiful morning. Gosh, uh, sure feels like uh, spring is upon us, almost summer. It's supposed to be 95 degrees in the tent this morning, so I'm not looking forward to that, but uh, we're glad to have you all with us. Uh, Today, we come to the end of our message series called Transitions, Faith in the Midst of Change, and we've been looking at this past COVID year through the lens of transition. That's the process of moving from an old normal through a period of disruption and change to finally ending up with a period of that new normal recognizing that we're all on this spiritual journey and it's the idea of the new normal that i want to focus in on today and just as a preview of what's coming next uh, next weekend memorial day weekend mike flavin's going to be preaching and then the following sunday first weekend of june is caring ministry sunday And that's when we highlight the ministry of the deacons and hear testimonies about how people have been impacted by our caring ministries, and that's always a a highlight of our church year as as a family. Then for the other three weeks of June, I will preach those three Sundays before passing the preaching baton onto your new senior pastor, Jeff Lee, who takes over July 1st. So my final Sunday preaching will be June 27th, and I hope to see many of you on that day. Uh, to focus our thoughts for this morning's message, let me just read one verse from the Apostle Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. A familiar verse to many of you. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Let me say that again. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Let's pray just for a second. Lord, send your spirit now anew. Refresh us. Pour yourself upon us, Lord, so that the words that I've prepared would be your words, Lord, that you would take whatever is presented today and by your Holy Spirit apply it to the hearts of those who are here, Lord. May your word go forth and accomplish the purpose for which you desire. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Boy, as I look back over this uh, COVID year, nobody knew exactly what we were going to go through. I agree with the sage advice supposedly given by that baseball wise man, Yogi Berra, who said it's hard to make predictions, especially about the future. I mean, he really got that right, didn't he? We didn't know what we were walking into, and we're still getting confused messages from our political leaders about what we're supposed to do or not do to bring this pandemic to an end. I heard right before this service, and you can applaud at this, that next week we can take all our masks off indoors in New Jersey. So I'm really looking forward to that. If you've been vaccinated. That's the, that's the caveat, if you've been vaccinated. So, uh, but in every stage of this past pandemic and every move we make towards the future, our job has really been the same, to stay in step with what Christ is doing, what he's doing in us and through us and around us. Stay in step stay in harmony, stay in sync with what Christ is doing in us, through us, and around us. Our job as followers of Christ is to stay in the center of his will, regardless of the circumstances, to find our purpose and our power by relying on his presence. That's our job, to find our purpose and our power by relying on his presence. That's what we need to focus in on as we look to create now a new normal our main purpose in life hasn't changed. And this has been a year in which our own human resources were stretched pretty thin. I mean, emotionally, physically, financially, relationally. We all know it was hard, but I don't think we should all automatically assume that all the hard stuff is gone just because we're going to be opening up a little bit more, that the year ahead is going to be perfect. There will continue to be challenges even as things open up, and I'm worried that many Christian people Don't have the kind of relationship with Christ that is going to sustain them through the thin times. My sense is that many Christians have this kind of distorted image of what it means to be a follower of Christ. For many, faith means kind of this initial experience of God's grace, a realization, hey, God loves me, an experience of forgiveness, an awareness of the assurance of heaven and the hope of what happens after we die. And don't get me wrong, those are all great, wonderful things, but too often that's where it ends. That's where faith kind of stops. It's sort of an attitude that says, thank you very much, Lord. I'm glad I'm forgiven. I'm glad I've got my ticket for heaven, but I'll take it from here. Folks who sincerely believe in Christ, but they kind of go through life solo, without any real sense of dependence on God on a daily basis. There's no impact on a daily life, no discipleship, no commitment to follow Christ in the daily details. They're Christian, but they're living by their own strength and their own resources. And when those resources run out, well, then God is the backup plan. God is the fallback position. God is plan B or C or even plan D. When everything else fails, then God's just supposed to swoop in and take care of it. Prayer is reserved for that desperate situation rather than a daily conversation with their Savior. No wonder God seems distant. No wonder prayer seems awkward, uncomfortable. Worship is just seen as this weekly pep rally that's supposed to get me all jazzed up for the week ahead. And the Bible, mostly, it's a closed book. And instead of having a soul that's saturated with the truth of Scripture, you know, our minds are not trained to read and absorb the power that's in the Word of God. Jesus said in John 8:30 If you hold to my word, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And I would really like for people to experience that kind of freedom in the coming year. If I had one wish, one hope, one prayer for all of you in the year ahead, as you go into this new normal, it would be that this would be a year where we would really experience the kind of freedom Christ wants for each of you. Freedom from anxiety and fear, from guilt, from fatigue, from frustration and failure. Freedom from all the things that kind of just climb up onto your back and weigh you down freedom from sin and the consequences of going your own way, the consequences of ignoring God's design, God's will, God's word. I want us to experience the reality of what the Apostle Paul talked about when he said, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. I know that kind of freedom can't happen 100% of the time, but it can happen much more than we're experiencing right now. We can live in greater freedom through Christ, I see so many people carrying such heavy burdens. I think we really need this kind of inner revolution in how we look at this thing called faith. Listen to these familiar words from Jesus. Matthew 11:28. 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Hear this modern translation of the same, phrase, same verse. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's what Jesus wants for us, to live freely and lightly. And that just sounds so good to me, doesn't it? To live freely and lightly. So what's the problem? Why is it we don't experience that kind of life? What's clogging up the spiritual pipeline? Why is it that so many people often feel so stuck? So many people realize that faith has not brought much change into their lives. Basically, we're the same person we were before we came to Christ. We didn't have a relationship with Christ, but now we're kind of basically in the same spot. There hasn't been any deep change, any deep healing, any deep transformation. And so we struggle with the same problems, same issues, same me over and over again. Where is this new creation? And if I had to name that struggle with one word... I would name it's the struggle to understand our identity in Christ, our identity in Christ. Folks, if we're going to experience the freedom of Christ as our new normal, we need a greater clarity about our basic identity. Well, what's an identity? Well, that's how you view yourself in relation to the world, how you look at yourself in the relation to the people around you, how you view yourself in relation to God. Your identity is sort of the mirror you hold up to yourself. It's how you define yourself for yourself. It's how you answer the question, who am I? Imagine you were to Google yourself and the Wikipedia entry for you popped up. Your identity is what you would write in that first paragraph. It's how you define yourself, think of yourself, understand yourself. This is important to understand the complexities of how Christ, our creator, designed us because our understanding of ourselves, that's what gets messed up. Our identity gets distorted by sin and by the sin and brokenness that's all around us in the world. All kinds of things mess with our identity our past, our experiences, our impulses, our failures, our sins, and the ways others have sinned against us. We all need a coherent sense of who am I in Christ because without a sense of clear identity, it's easy just to meander through life. You have to know who you are or you don't know how to live. I ran across an old movie a trailer for a crime thriller starring uh, uh, Jim Caviezel. It's called Unknown. I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not recommending it. But I thought the plot was so intriguing. Okay? Five men wake up locked inside a warehouse. They're all suffering from some kind of amnesia. They have no memory of who they are, don't even know their own names. No one uh, knows each other. The floor of the warehouse is scattered with weapons, and one, man, one of the men is tied up. So they start searching for clues to figure out what's going on. They find a policeman dead in a closet. They find a newspaper and they begin to read the headlines and they piece together that two of them are kidnapped police officers and the other three are the kidnappers. But they don't know who's who. A phone call alerts them that the rest of the criminal gang is on their way back to the warehouse. So each man has to figure out what's my next move. Do I act like a criminal? Or do I act like a police officer? And one man says, how do I know how to act when I don't know who I am? That is a great question. How do I know how to live, how to act? How do I make decisions? How am I supposed to feel? How am I supposed to respond if I don't know who I am? And as we move into this new normal, God wants you to know exactly who you are in Christ. He wants you to know your true identity and then live into that identity every day. We don't know how to live if we don't know who we are. And that's what robs us of our sense of peace and security. The individual identity that each of us has right now is something that we have built over time. We built a mindset, a belief system based on the things that we've experienced in life. This doesn't mean our sense of identity is necessarily true, it's just our version of reality. It's your personal pair of glasses through which you see the world. It's the mental screen that you use to filter everything that comes your way. It's how you decide if something is good or bad, happy or sad. It's the title of your autobiography. It's the label you put on your life. A tourist was walking through the narrow back streets of Chinatown in lower Manhattan. He came upon a tattoo studio. And in the window were all these photographs of the many tattoo parlors, kind of sample tattoos. And some of them were pretty bizarre and on parts of the body that should never be stuck with a needle. But one of the three word tattoos riveted this guy's attention. He just couldn't believe that someone would intentionally and purposefully put this on their body. The tattoo phrase was born to lose, born to lose. Incredulous, the man went into the tattoo parlor, asked the artist there, he said, do people really put that terrible phrase permanently on their skin? And the owner nodded. And the guy went I just can't believe that anybody in their right mind would do something like that. And the store owner simply tapped his head and said, before tattooed on body, tattooed on mind. You get that? Your identity is what is tattooed on your mind about who you think you are. What you believe about yourself. No one can see it but you. But it colors everything that you do. We may not even be entirely conscious of our own mind tattoos or even aware of how they got there. What we believe about our identity, though, is what we will ultimately act out. Whether or not we realize it, our identity is why we do things the way we do them, even if we're not conscious. Proverbs 23, 7, For as a person thinks in his heart, so he is. And the Bible calls that yourself, your original identity. And the good news of the gospel is that when Christ comes into your heart, you get a new self, a new creation. Something new gets put inside you. Paul says it this way in Ephesians 4. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on a new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When Christ becomes your Lord and Savior, you actually become spiritually alive through the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. But what confuses people is that old self is still there. The old self doesn't automatically disappear. And so if you had a tattoo on your soul before you came to Christ, it can still exist after your conversion. Many people do experience a release or a deliverance from what might have been crippling their identity, but many people Do not experience that kind of instant deliverance. It's not automatic. If you struggled with anger before you put your faith in Christ, you may still struggle with anger afterwards, even with the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The key thing to remember about this new creation, this new identity in Christ, is that it's a process. We are saved and we are being saved. We are saved and we are being saved. We are forgiven. And we continue to need forgiveness. People need to understand this because there are countless of disillusioned, you know, I tried Jesus, but he didn't work for me, kind of people. Don't understand that being saved by grace doesn't mean that every part is instantly changed to perfection. That's why I really like the bumper sticker that says, Be patient with me, God isn't finished with me yet. That could be a motto for all of us. Be patient with me, God isn't finished with me yet. Claiming our new identity in Christ is what can help us move more confidently, more securely, more peacefully, lighter, and freer through life. But it is a process of spiritual and emotional growth as we live into this new identity that we have in Jesus. I think Jesus himself is the perfect example of what this means. As I read Jesus about Jesus in the Gospels, I was always so impressed, even as a young teenager, I was so impressed with that Jesus was a man who knew who he really was. It was one of the things that attracted me to him in the first place. He had, he had this sense of confidence without arrogance, compassion without weakness, kindness but coupled with strength. People were drawn to him because of the sense of his identity. He was rock solid when it came to understanding himself, and neither his friends nor his enemies could ever get him to go against that identity. You know, the Gospel of John is actually built around seven I am statements that Jesus gives. Seven times in the Gospel of John, Jesus uh, uses the phrase I am to describe himself, to clarify his identity. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine and you are the branches. All of these verses point to this one reality, that Jesus' identity was rooted in the love and the unity that he had with the Father. That union was the basis for everything Jesus said or did. And Jesus said it this way in John 3:35: the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Over and over again, we see it's the affirmation of the Father's love that it's the core of Jesus' self-identity. Jesus knew who he was and whose he was. His identity was grounded in the love of the Father. It's what kept him calm in the storm and cool in conflict, at peace, even at the cross. And that's what we need as we move into this new normal. I would love for you to develop your own I am statements, your own I ams that can help you nail down what this new self is, This new identity is for you, your own I am, so you can positively affirm who you are and whose you are. And I think if Jesus were to pick an I am statement for you and for me to start us off, it would be, I am a new creation. I am a new creation. Talk about a powerful platform on which to build your new identity that God wants you to embrace, that at the center of the universe is love, the Creator's love extends all the way across billions of galaxies in the universe, all the way to your front door. Right into your heart, God is at work in you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. You belong to him, and he will get you through this life and on into whatever happens next. You are his new creation. Now, of course, everybody's gonna say, Well, I already know that. I know Jesus loved me. I sang Jesus loves me, this I know, you know, when I was since in kindergarten. But do you really live that way? Do you really live feeling enveloped and sustained and supported by the presence of God's love through Christ? Is that really the foundation of your identity? If you really felt God's personal, powerful, passionate love encompassing every waking and sleeping moment, then what would you be worried about? What would you be upset about? His love for us doesn't ever change, that's his permanent promise, but our awareness, our confidence in that love, it just varies all the time. I mean, that's when I get anxious, when I step out of the circle of Christ's love, when I think I'm beyond his care, when I get distracted and my focus is on my own strengths and my lack thereof, that's when the flood of worries just really rushes in. But when we stay within the circle of Christ's love, if we stay centered on him, When I know that I am his new creation, that's when I can operate in step with the Holy Spirit. That's when I can sense his peace and his protection. That's when my identity is secure because it's based on who I am in Christ and that's when I can live freely and lightly. Every day draw near to Jesus and give him the credit and the glory for who you are and that your confidence comes from him. When insecurity sets in, hold on to Christ as the source of your security. When you do that, that old identity, those old anxieties, they begin to melt away. With Christ as your sure foundation and confidence, you can say, I am a new creation. You do not belong to the Lord because of chance or accident or a stroke of luck. You're his because he never gave up searching for you until he finds you. And God is living in you, molding you and working in you, using you for his good purposes. You are his work and he will not stop working on you until you're finished and complete. Allowing God to change you, to use you isn't easy. I know that. Sometimes it's even painful. Frequently it's hard. But that's why you need to see your future identity now so that you will continue to allow him to chisel away at your rough edges to use you as he sees fit. God will finish what he has started in you. You can be sure of that. And so that can give you confidence and joy. You need to know and believe at the deepest level that you are a new creation and God is not finished with you yet. No matter how young or how old you are, God is not finished with you yet. So put away self-doubt for the years ahead. Put away your fears in this new normal. Put away your excuses. Put away the lies that you have believed about yourself up until this day. All those not good enough lies. Stand on God's truth. Embrace your identity in Christ and live it. Be excited about what God is doing and will continue to do. When you know your identity is secure in Christ, God will breathe purpose and meaning into the details of your life. I am a new creation, and God isn't finished with me yet. In fact, I get the feeling He's just getting started. So I want you to write that out on a card or a post-it. I am a new creation in Christ. Every day this week, I want that to be your first thought in the morning, your last thought at night. I am a new creation in Christ. Write it on a card. Stick it by your alarm clock. Post it on your mirror, whatever you need to do. Put it into your smartphone. Put it someplace that you'll see it and remind it of who you are in Christ. I am a new creation in Christ in Christ. Read that throughout the day. Let that be the tattoo on your brain. I am a new creation in Christ. Let your new normal be based on that reality. The unmerited, unlimited love of God in Jesus Christ. And you are his new creation. Let's pray. God, I'm preaching to myself today about staying within the circle of Your love and knowing that your providence and your care watches over all the details of life. It's so easy, Lord, to get distracted, to believe the lies that we have to do it on our own. And that's when anxiety just kind of sweeps in like a tidal wave. So, Lord, help us to really hold on to our identity in you. To know that we are loved and that we belong to you. And that you've planted your Holy Spirit in our hearts, just as we witnessed symbolically in the baptism today. You plant, you wash us, you cleanse us, you make us new. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name, amen.